Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Let's start All right, it. Here we go. David, we have to start right here. Do you understand that the headphones you're listening to don't have sound in them? She's about to take a picture. I don't want to have to put them nope, back on. That's Dominique Castellanos. She does not have a camera. How do you say your last name, D? That's not true. D just became uh, the sports anchor who is reporting live from the scene. What are you talking about? I have about? never once heard her use any kind of inflection, accent, and she just did it. Yes, she does. Whenever she says her name or she speaks words that are Spanish or... Well, we need more of those. Okay. I want to like, get the real D. Dominique Castellanos. Is that right, D? Yeah. Anyway, Castellanos. first of all, everyone, this is coming to you from the new Hollis Company headquarters. I'm basically sitting in Dax Shepard's attic. No, his attic is way cooler and different than what we're looking at right here. They have softer blankets there. We are sitting in the podcast studio at the Hollis Company at headquarters. The Hollis Company headquarters. Unbelievable. And we're sitting in a comfortable chair. The temperature in here is nice. Lovely. There is no, you know, we won't get angry notes about the sound. I'm going to miss those days. We've come a long way, baby. I'm going to miss those days. We've come a long way. It feels so surreal to be here on this day, which is the day that the book comes out. It is the day the book comes out. I'd like to raise a glass. Uh, This is... Citrus Defender. Citrus Defender. Hot tea. Not an ad. Cheers to you, my lady. Welcome to... The Rise Together podcast. I am your host, Dave Hollis, with uh, the hostess with the mostest, Rachel Hollis. Absolutely. We're about to blow your minds. I don't know if we're going to blow your minds, but we are going to dig into a topic that will probably upset some people. Hmm. That sounds like fun. Well, because in the new book, Girl Stop Apologizing, there are statements there are thoughts there are narratives that will challenge the way a lot of traditional relationships have been structured and that may make certain people feel uncomfortable by the way i'm i'm pretty sure that there is a 31 year old version of me i'm 44 now that would have read this book and had a completely different reaction to this book yeah well, no, explain why. Explain your perspective of reading the book and why it would have been different all those years ago than it is today. Well, I mean, I've grown up to become an adult human. And uh, <laughs> when I was uh, younger, uh, I was more a product of an environment and a society and gender rules and norms that I grew up inside of than I was um, witness to some of those things that I was taught not necessarily being the way that I believe today or the way that I think facilitates women being their very, very greatest selves. And 
a lot of the work that you've done has been instrumental in just opening my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't think when I was a younger human. I, guess what? Working at the Walt Disney Company and working in some different women's groups also did that. Spending time really challenging the capital T truths that I believe that were not a byproduct of my childhood or the environment I was raised in, but really like mine to own for myself. Um, they're just a departure from like a younger version of who I was. And I think generationally time has continued to challenge the way that men and women show up in the world. And thank I, goodness for that. I think that the, the gist, like you were talking and I was thinking, how can I explain this like sort of a central thesis in this idea of if you are in relationship with someone and you place more value on their happiness than you do on your own, if you place more value on their desires, their dreams, their hopes than you do on your own, it is impossible for you to be the best version of yourself because I don't think that you can live fully into who you are created to be. I don't think that you can fully express and understand your potential and grow in your faith and grow in your business and grow in all the different areas of your life if you believe that the person you're in relationship with is more important than you are. It's a big statement. It is a big statement. And I think that it's true. And I think that so often... You know, we are raised as women to be good girls, to be smart, to be pretty, to make our parents proud. We're taught from the time we're really little. Most of us are taught to please others. And it's highly likely that if you learn that narrative as a child, that you go into a romantic relationship thinking that you've got to make them happy because you need to please. And so as I set out to write this book, my intention was to create like the field manual for how you pursue a goal. How do you track down a goal? How do you either personally or professionally pursue, I want to build a business or I want to get healthy or I want to get out of debt or fill in the blank. How do you do that? And as I was writing it, I began to see that there was no way that I could have this conversation with women. Not only did I need to explain, here are the steps to achieve a goal, but we also needed to have a conversation about the shame that so many women associate with having a desire for themselves if their partner is not on board with that goal. That's real. I mean, the, the interesting thing is there is a totally different posture that you bring to our relationship today and your pursuit of your dreams and your goals than you did at the beginning of our relationship. It's part of your writing in this book. It's part of the writing, frankly, in the, in the last book. Heck, I just wrote about it in like trying to describe what I thought my role in this relationship was. For a long time, I had this identity of being a provider which in a backwards way implied that you could not take care of yourself if not for my provision, which I know, of course, you can take care of yourself every single day and twice on Sundays. Thank you very much. 
but but that was a long time to get to and i do want to speak into that if there are people who are listening and you have a similar experience like for years and years and years the nature of our relationship was that you were the you were the provider you were the one who was financially successful so for the longest time for the the structure of our relationship was you were the provider you had this great job um we both worked in the beginning we both had we both contributed financially and then your job started to grow and i started to build my company and then we were able to live off of your salary so that i could take all the money that i made and invest it back into my company and that created a um it was amazing because it gave me I had the funding to be able to grow and scale, but it did absolutely create this dynamic, weird dynamic of I have this dream for my life. I have this goal. I want to build this company, but I felt like I could only do it in a way so long as it wasn't an inconvenience to you because we lived off of your income and you never acted like that, but that was definitely how I felt was like, because you make more money then your opinion matters more than mine does yeah i i mean it's <laughs> an observation in thinking through the changing roles of our lifetime i can still remember the idea after you'd had ford maybe it was sawyer but one of the kids and my associating which job was more important of being um, between me getting back to work so that we could have my job get back on track versus you being awake enough to take care of our children and keep them alive. I associated that value, that like value assessment was like, well, I'm going to go sleep on the couch mm -hmm. so that you can get up through the night mm -hmm. because the monetary value that I've assigned to my work trumps the necessity that you may have in keeping this human alive because you have had enough sleep when at 10:30 in the morning this baby still is crying needing mm -hmm. food and you know you're exhausted yeah which is now i yeah. think back like i don't remember what that meeting was i was rushing to get back to but i am really glad that you kept that human alive <laughs> well the the Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The idea for today's podcast episode comes from a chapter in the book. Uh, the beginning of the book is broken down into excuses that you have to let go of if you're going to pursue something for yourself and if you're going to do it without shame. And the excuse to let go of is this idea that you can't pursue something for yourself and still be a good partner and still be a good wife and still be a good girlfriend and still be a good mom and so be a good christian and so be a good bot like all of these things fill in the blank you can fill it in with whatever your version of this looks like but for us i felt uh i felt your opinion 
I felt our family's opinion, like lots of people didn't, lots of people had an opinion on me being a working mom and lots of people had an opinion on me working when I didn't have to. And I know you guys can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. Like people were like, oh, but Dave makes enough to support you guys. So why do you keep trying to make this thing happen? Why do you keep trying to be an author? Why do you keep trying to build a company? And my vision was not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, this is not a job. This is a mission. This is something in my heart. Like if I wanted a job, I'd go work at Starbucks and get the income. This was not about income. And that's what people couldn't understand. This was, I felt like there was something here and I felt like I could build it. And what I did for a long time that I think many people do, not just women, but when they don't feel the support from their friends or family, they do one of two things. I think they give up or they do what I did, which was I'm going to pursue this, but I'm going to pursue it in the dark, meaning I am going to do it. I'm going to try and have my dream as long as it doesn't bother Dave, as long as it doesn't bother my in-laws, as long as it doesn't bother or throw off the other moms at school drop off. Like I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to try and do it, you know, in the morning before anyone wakes up. I'm going to try and do it at night after they go to bed. Like I really did pursue my dreams in the dark, which I realize in retrospect, unintentionally made it feel shameful yeah what's interesting is i i'm like trying to think back to a time when your feeling like you had to matched my having suggested that you ought to or need to in any way feel that way right like what i wonder is was there were there things that i did or were there signals that i gave that made you actually feel like ooh this is inconveniencing dave or i'm departing from the way he thinks i ought to be so i now need to do this in the dark or was it a thing that was more in your head in society in historical gender norms that informed how you thought you needed to act as opposed to it being a reaction to something that was real i felt like everyone this is like such a sweeping generalization but i really did feel like everyone thought i was silly everyone thought i was playing like i would go to work events with you and the people that you worked with would were very dismissive of me. Oh, like this little, the, oh, your little job. Like they'd use words like that. Like I, your boss, your old boss was like a super jerk about me working. You know he was <laughs> like super chauvinistic. Like, oh, you know, and you, uh, those are conversations like, I can't believe, like, why would she work? Like these are conversations that the men that you worked with were having with you because their wives didn't work. And that then I would hear about or people were constantly questioning, like, I'm not going to name names, but you know who I'm thinking of. And it just felt like everybody thought I was silly. And, and there wasn't, I feel like, honestly, now everyone's supportive 
because I've proven myself. Like I proved that there was value here. But the reason I wanted to write this book is because there was value there even when nobody got it. There was value because it made me come alive. It made me feel inspired. And I look back on that time and it makes me sad. And I'm, I'm really proud of myself for not giving up because you have always loved me and you have always been my best friend and you've always been my cheerleader. But I feel like now if I say like a crazy thing, you're like, okay, she could probably pull that off. But back in the day, I would say a crazy thing and you'd be like, holy crap, what? Oh, and here's the thing. Like I had four years before you proved the things that you have proven, a response that was fully my showing up with the way love represents itself in an environment of you being a super dreamer and me being practical, which was, I don't want you to dream too big because if you did and didn't accomplish that big, huge dream, you'll be hurt. You'll be hurt. Yeah. And, and, I can, and I can appreciate now that two things, uh, you know, like my, my love showing up that way, trying to keep you expectation managed or keep you grounded or down to earth or from getting too far ahead of yourself um, really left two messages. And w- the first was, I don't think you can do this. Mm-hmm which um, stinks. And like, if I had a time machine, I'd want to go back and change the way that it, you know, my love was manifesting itself. And then, and two, uh, beyond, I don't think you can do this. When you don't, I don't think you're strong enough to handle the feeling of having not accomplished your dream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hindsight or today's sight, whatever it's called, when you can in real time sit and appreciate how ridiculous things are today versus how you were thinking then, not only do I actually, of course, believe that if you have an idea that, man, we're going to have to figure out how to actually make it come together because you are a machine of amazing ideas, but also I am positive that if you end up dreaming something that's too big for the universe to accept, if it you know comes with criticism, if it ends up being something that um, goes sideways, that not only can you survive it, but that the thing that you learn in having survived it will help us as a company, as a couple, as you as an individual, go build something even better for having put yourself in that position. And that totally, again, changes the way that my, I want to keep you from being hurt baby version of myself showing up back then would show up today, which is, I might still say, that's crazy, But I'll also hopefully say, let's go figure it out. Let's chase it. So interestingly enough, I would not change anything about how it happened. And and those those of you who are dreamers or you're working on a goal, you need to hear this. If you cannot pursue this goal and this dream for yourself, regardless of what anybody else thinks, if you can't do it in opposition, then you don't deserve it. Ooh, that's good. I, it wasn't easy. It wasn't a, like that time sucked and it was hard, 
But so much of my, like I literally wrote this book that I'm holding in my hands. I wrote Girl Stop Apologizing because of those years. And if they had happened differently, I wouldn't have this story to tell and I wouldn't have gained the strength to get here. Like you, I I keep circling around this thought lately, like everybody wants to get to the top of the mountain. Everybody wants to have this success. Everybody wants, the second that you get opposition, the second that nobody believes in you after a year or two years or three years and you're crying and you're like, I give up. I don't want, I don't want to get beat up. I don't want to have to argue. I don't want to have to fight for this. I don't want to have to walk through this valley. Like, no, you have to walk through this valley so that you have muscles strong enough to climb that mountain. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back. Here's what I would say to the partner who's listening, who is the practical person in this situation. You don't have to get it, but you do have to honor their time. You do have to say, you know what? I don't get the thing that you want. I don't get that you want to write the book. I don't get that you want to do this company. I don't get, but your time is as valuable as mine. And babe, if you want to go work at Starbucks for three hours on a Saturday, I'm going to be supportive of your time. There are whole other conversations that you have to have if the dream involves personal finances. Because too often, a partner's trying to be supportive of the wife or supportive of the husband and they invest financially in what it is even though their gut is like oh I don't know if we should do this this is a huge financial risk for our family listen to that when I hear about people who put their family at financial like real financial risk to build a business because one of them is a dreamer that that is dangerous that is idiotic that this, the thing that I was pursuing never once put our family at financial risk ever. So I actually wouldn't take it back because you are practical and I need that. I am a dreamer. I need someone to hold on to the kite string. I do. Yeah. Because I think that's why our partnership works so well. I wouldn't take it back. I just wish if we could go back in time that you would have been not supportive of the dream because it's hard to be supportive of something you don't get. I wish you would have been supportive of the time. That's good. It's so interesting because in real time, as this book is coming out, in real time, there are questions that we are being asked, sometimes together, sometimes separately, in interviews to help support the launch. I got a question yesterday that a reporter asked me about how it felt for me to watch you pursue this dream for 15 years. And my answer was, and I think this is a litmus that you have to put almost any question through. When I pursued my dream at the Walt Disney Company for 15 years, it never occurred to anyone because of my being a man to ask how Rachel felt or how I felt about the kind of time I was investing in building that dream. But for some reason, because you're a woman, I'm asked as the man in this relationship, how it made me feel for you to invest this decade and a half's worth of time to build this company to a place where I'd come and join it. Now, of course, my answer ends up being pride. But my real question to the question was, 
why is that even a question that you'd ask? And if the question, because of just gender roles and dynamics, generally speaking, isn't one that a man would traditionally be asked when it comes to pursuing dreams, that's not a question then for a woman to be asked either. Yeah, my friend Beans always says, if it's not true for everybody, then it shouldn't be true for anybody. It's real. And that's with, you know, gender, race, anything like if you if this isn't something that we ask everybody then we shouldn't ask it to anybody just starting with that starting from that place I think then the conversation becomes if you're like okay I want to pursue this I want to pursue this thing for myself I want my partner to honor this time to honor my two hours at you know working on the weekend to honor me getting up early to honor me training for the half marathon even if they don't get it because I would honor it if the situation was reversed then the question becomes how do you pursue it in a way that is fair because my concern with writing this book was that people would hear this idea of shame-free or embracing yourself or being unapologetic and they would think, oh, that means that I am going to be aggressive or that means that I'm going to be like, well, screw you, husband, screw you, wife, screw, like Rachel said, I could pursue the dream of my heart unapologetically. There is a big difference between confidently living your life and pursuing your goals without shame and shoving your dreams down other people's throats there's a big difference there and so i think then it's about stepping back and preparing as much as you can preparing your partner like sitting down together and figuring it out babe i want to train for a half marathon and training for a half marathon is a it's a big investment of time so i've already talked to my mom and she's going to watch the kids on Tuesdays from 2 to 4.30, can you help me by committing? I got to do my long run on Saturday. Can you watch the kids like four hours on Saturday? For, and, here's, and this is the amount of time and I'm going to set it up. And here's, you've got to be in partnership. You've got to be in it together. And the way that I think you do that for a partner that's maybe not as excited is you make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things that tends to come up around this idea is if you come out of a habit of asking for permission or thinking, feeling like permission is a thing that's required for the pursuit of your dreams or goals. I'll offer this one anecdote. I I put up a post at one point about how proud I was of Noah one day reading this book that one day she would appreciate her mama who lives in her house wrote that might give her the freedom to chase her dreams without apology and without having to seek permission. And somebody, uh, you know, a stranger from the internet wrote something to the effect of like, well, I, you know, I'm in a great partnership with my spouse, my husband. I, of course, would seek his permission before I chase a dream. And I said, look, respectfully, like you do you, but if Rachel had come to me and described in detail, girl, stop apologizing, or even more, girl, wash your face, okay? Hey, I I wanna tell 20 stories that are super vulnerable and transparent about things that include the way that you didn't handle the beginning of our relationship well, that include the details of our bad sex life, 
if she'd come seeking my permission for Girl Wash Your Face, 100% my answer would have been, absolutely not. What are you talking about? That's crazy. So she didn't. We ended up having a conversation about it and how it was something that was needed by this audience that she'd been in community with for the decade and a half that she'd been working inside of her company. And as much as it made me uncomfortable, like hear the other part of this conversation, you don't have to ask permission necessarily be in partnership with your partner, but then also find a way to become comfortable with the discomfort of your pursuing this dream because of it maybe being something that isn't as normal for your relationship. I was uncomfortable the first time I read Girl, Wash Your Face, right? I was very uncomfortable. And the fact that I had to push through that discomfort to find this now place where I appreciate and am living wildly, vulnerably myself in this company that we've created, that you've created, that I'm now partnering with you with. Like, it's a wholesale change in the way that I think about what this world needs and how the tools that we can put in people's hands are a lot of times at their foundation about authenticity and vulnerability. But that wouldn't have happened if you'd asked, hey, can I have your permission to write yeah. this book? Yeah. Yeah, I think that it comes down to you do everything that you can to make the pursuit of a goal as easy as possible for your partner because you are in partnership. And especially if you have children, you want to make it as easy as possible to pursue the goal. But if they still don't like it, you do it anyway. <laughs> just, you know, people are like, oh, how did you? I'm like, Dave didn't like it. Dave was upset. Dave, for for years, there were things that I would try that he was not interested in. And my life changed. My business changed. And our marriage changed. 10x for the better. A complete 180. All good things the day that I decided to stop caring if who I was bothered him. Yeah, and by like, the way... Does that, I, mean, I don't know if that... Res- like, I don't know if people are going to be like, what, how could you not care that what your partner thinks of you? Here's what... The, the interesting thing, though, in that comment is you're attempting to portray who you thought I needed you to be at the expense of you being actually who you are, who God created you to be with the full potential that was put inside of your heart on display. That wasn't a full version of you. And so, you know, you, in in a weird way, convinced yourself that only sharing some of what you were and how you needed to, you know, show up in a way that didn't inconvenience me came at the expense of me knowing you and now yeah like are there days where i'm like oh my goodness i can't believe it this woman changing the world one window breaking thing at a time yeah but i get to know all of you i get to know the full version of you and so you know well and and it's like that that saying you know like if you want to change someone you change yourself and by changing myself and living into who i am that started your your personal growth journey. Oh, which, for sure. Like the you know the, who you are today is different because of 
like one partner having the courage to to pursue something to get healthy or to get out of debt or to read more or to learn a language or to build a visit like whatever it is one partner deciding to change for the better makes the like I just feel like the other partner assuming that they're a normal <laughs> human it it sparks something. There's it a makes, curiosity, Yeah, of like, course. well, what could I do? What does this look like for me? We had to, no, by the way, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, like we've had, we had to wade through a resistance phase where you're choosing to pursue, even though it bothered me, personal development, going to conferences and listening to podcasts and reading books. I was not on the train. I did not understand it. I had a bunch of weird stigma around masculinity and what it meant for a man to need help from other people. But I got to a point where I was curious because you kept waking up on fire. And so the fire was a breadcrumb trail that finally, when I followed it, fundamentally changed the way I thought about investing in myself, investing in growth, the like difference between fixed and growth mindset, a whole host of things that have just revealed themselves because of not my pursuit or our pursuit, but your pursuit. You pursued something that was solving something you were going through. And as you continued to lean into it, it just continued to help you evolve into this bigger, better version of yourself. And I was like, well, I'd like to be a bigger, better version of myself. What the heck? Yeah. I think it's worth saying, like, this is not an easy road to rock, walk down. Like if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance that there's something on your heart that you want to pursue and maybe you're worried about what your partner will think or you're not sure, maybe they're actively not interested in it right now. Maybe it's a point of contention. Like I, I don't know your story, but I do think that you can't ever experience the true joy the true extraordinary relationship that is possible if you cannot show up in the relationship as your authentic self. And if you have a dream, like you said, you know, that I had a fire. That fire was in me for a long time. I just kept it, it banked. You know, I kept it, I literally like that old song from Sunday school, like, literally hid my light under a bushel no <laughs> um it was always in me and going to the conference and getting into personal development it literally just like fanned this flame and when i went back home it was the first time that i refused to snuff out that fire because the fire was intimidating to other people and by the way i mean one of the reasons why I may have given off vibes that, or you may have resisted leaning fully into this fuller, unsnuffed out version of yourself is the, the lie that you can pursue your dreams, but only at the expense of what it might be to be a good mom. Or yeah. you can pursue your dreams, but only at the expense of what it might be to be a good wife. And That's, the reality yeah, is those are lies. you can pursue your dreams and become the mom yes. that these kids of ours need. And Not, be it, a good partner. And, be a good, and partner. be a good daughter. And be a good sister. In fact, when you start to live more fully into yourself, 
the freedom that comes with that and the joy that comes with that will make you better in the other areas of your life. There's this like fear that you pursuing this goal will take time away from your family. It will take time away from your family. It will, straight up, it will. But when you come back, the time together is so much more meaningful. It's so much richer. You're so much more appreciative because it's it's like when you come back from vacation and you're like, re-energized and revived and your cup is filled back up and you're better able to pour out into other people because your cup is full. By the way, you're also, we're also modeling for our children the pursuit of big dreams. We are modeling for our children what it looks like to hustle. We're modeling for our children what it means to sacrifice. And if I had to choose between having unlimited time with our kids but being unfulfilled and not in pursuit of something that felt like a calling from God or chasing something that's massive, but having to every once in a while explain that I have to get on an airplane, I'll take the latter every single day because my kids get to see me living a version of my life that is actually a life and not me going through the motions, collecting a paycheck and feeling sad for having not actually achieved the things that were on my heart. Yes. Preach. I will preach. So in summation, <laughs> um, in summation, man, you got a you got a goal or a dream in your heart. There's a reason for it, and there is a way to show up for yourself and show up for the people that you love. And shamelessly, if you want to read an entire book about it, yes. Rachel Hollis has written a really, really good one. It's called yeah. Girl, Stop Apologizing. It's out I, now. I, 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 here's the thing. I've said it, I think, in an advertisement that may, in fact, run on this. I'm going to say it one more time. The way that I feel about this book after our adoption journey, after having now two years of time with a daughter, is wholesale different than I probably would have thought about it before we had a little girl. But the idea that the world will be because of a book like this, hopefully made to think just a little bit differently about what it means for a woman to pursue their dreams, to let go of shame, to let go of the opinions of other people, to hold themselves as women to the same standards as men. Are you asking a question that applies to both men and women, if not goodbye? Like that for me, as Noah begins to read, this will be the first book that I make her read. <laughs> no, stop. no, it's not. She got but, it. She's going to have to have a minute. I know. I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of you and proud of what this is, especially against the backdrop of having a daughter. Thanks, babe. You're welcome. Hey, you guys, if you like the Rise or Rise Together podcast, you're going to love my monthly live coaching series. What did you just say? I'm doing a coaching series. I'm, I'm like your favorite coach, but with hair extensions and eyelash extensions and a pension for Beyonce. What kind of coaching are you coaching? Okay, thank you for asking. There's actually two different classes. One is life coaching. Those are for people who want to work on their relationship, their health, their personal, all the personal stuff. And then there's something I'm really excited about, business coaching. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I'm really proud of the company that I've built and I want to share that wisdom with you. So if you own a small business and you want to dig into how to do social media, how to find new clients, how to grow your revenue base, this is how we're going to do it. 
I bet they can get more info at thehollisco.com. You sure are right, buddy. You can watch videos about what the coaching series is all about, how you join in, and what is included with your membership. Sounds like a plan. Right. Bye. Okay. Uh, you just are real close to the mic. Is That's the way you do it in uh, professional podcasting. No. You have to get real close to the mic. No. They can ask Cameron. He's a professional. No. He's given me instructions about just letting my nose barely nip That's the not edge. True. Yep. That's so Just weird. the edge. Please tell me you're joking. Just to make sure. That's so yep. gross. Just the edge. You want to get real close. No, you yeah. don't. No, no, no. You want to like be this close to the microphone. So gross. That's why my audio usually sounds clearer than yours, because I'm so close. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> That's what most of the feedback on the uh, reviews says. <laughs> that Dave, clear as a cucumber. Uh, are cucumbers known to be clear? Have you ever cut one open? Yes. They <laughs> are clear. Seeds. They are not clear. They, they are, are absolutely not clear. They are clear. Have they you are ever dense and opaque and filled with seeds. Crushed a cucumber? <laughs> yes. Their juice... Looks like water. <laughs> clear as crystal. Clear, clear as, as clear cl- as day. Clear as glass. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. Kristen Bell married a Dak Shepherd who has a professional <laughs> podcast. <laughs>